Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, November 17th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Chiefs Raiders week has arrived, and it comes with a little more spice than usual. The Raiders upset the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium in Week 5. Las Vegas played great. The Raiders caught the Chiefs' defense flat-footed, and Patrick Mahomes and the offense went through a third-quarter drought and could not recover. The Chiefs had won 12 of the previous 14 games against the Raiders, and this one felt so good to John Gruden that the Raiders' coach had the bus driver take his team on a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium after the game. Both coaches were asked about that moment on Monday, and we'll start today's podcast by playing Gruden's response to the answer. He wasn't happy to be asked that question. But after that, you'll hear from star columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahek Gorian on that slice of showmanship, but more importantly, the contract extensions for Andy Reid and Brett Beach that were announced on Monday. After a break, you'll hear from Chiefs CEO and Chairman Clark Hunt, who spoke to the contract. So let's get going. Hey, John. Uh, today, Andy Reid mentioned a couple times the uh, victory lap you guys took in KC in the, in the first game. What exactly was the victory lap, and uh, is that something that uh, you think about this week as far as bulk board material or anything like that? Not really. I mean, you can find a smart Alec bus driver in Kansas City who made some snide comments when we got on the bus. Maybe that's why we drove around the stadiums to tick him off. You know, this is ridiculous. Next question. I have never driven a bus. But I, I think if, if I were a bus driver and I was carrying an NFL team away from a stadium, I, I'd try to have some fun with it or um, maybe uh, engage in a little conversation, especially if the team that I'm driving to the airport had won the game. And, uh, but John Gruden didn't seem to be in a good mood about this topic on, on Monday and called the bus driver – that took him from Arrowhead to the airport, a smart aleck. I think he used those words, smart aleck, bus driver, or smart ass. I don't know, one of those. Smart aleck. And um, I just thought Gruden should have had more fun with the topic than he did yesterday. Um, what could the bus driver have said that that prompted Gruden to say what he did yesterday? Uh, snide comments. Uh, snide comments, right. Uh, I, There's I so don't know for sure, but I do believe Sam, our own Sam Mellinger – He's going to find a way to get to the bottom of it with that uh, distress flare he sent out on Twitter yesterday trying to get get the bus driver or somebody who knows the bus driver to uh, give him a call. Um, well, and has this already happened? Is it, have you broken through? No, I, I would love to do that. And if the bus driver is listening to this, please call me, <laughs> 816-234-4365. But the, uh, here's a pro tip um, for young journalists out there. If you if you send a distress flare for something <laughs> as ridiculous as this, you may get three people who call in claiming to be the bus driver. <laughs> so I, well, I probably it, need to be more surgical than, than I'm. <laughs> it's funny you say that because that, Sam, you're too young for this movie, but I'm sure Blair saw Spartacus back in the day, and there's a scene where. Uh, they're coming to see Spartacus, and they want to know. They don't know what he looks like, and so everybody in the group, when they say, "Where is Spartacus?" they all say, "I'm Spartacus." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's so some. Made me think of that for some reason that you may have some uh, some traffic to negotiate here. <laughs> yeah, what, one of the things though, I, I feel like this is getting overlooked in in this story, 
is, first of all, that video clip of Gruden talking about it when he says smart Alec and snipe comments. Um, it, as soon as the whoever's asking the question, as soon as he mentioned bus or lap around or whatever, Gruden immediately looks away and wipes his forehead. It appears he's wiping sweat from his forehead, which I thought was funny. <laughs> and his story makes no sense. That So, like, first of all, it, a, a bus driver is able to, like, get into his head so much that he's, that he's thinking about it like that. But also, if the bus driver just said, like, I don't know what he would have said, like, you know, congratulations, you know, the first time you've beaten them and however many whatever, – whatever the bus driver said. But then the way to get back at the bus driver is to make him do a lap around the stadium? Like, now I'll show yeah. you? Like, I don't – yeah. yeah. Yeah, who who is who is that punishing? You know, you're, you're going to tell the bus driver, oh, we're we're going to put ten more minutes on your time. You're going to bus. You're going to yeah. bus around the the, the sports complex here. It, just, you're right, it doesn't seem to make sense. I, listen, we we know what happened. The the Raiders won. It was a terrific victory. They played great, and and Gruden was happy, right? So he said, bus driver, let's let's do a lap around here, and and uh, that's exactly what happened. So. Um, and Vi, I, I like the Spartacus. I do remember the, that scene in Spartacus. I'll go one more recent though, and I, I know you you will remember this. That in two thousand, I'm pretty sure the year was two thousand and one. The Big Twelve football media days was at Cowboy then Cowboy Stadium, and Colorado came down there with a good team. Gary Barnett was the coach, and they brought their couple players and. Gary Barnett was – when the team got to the stadium uh, and they did, their, they did their media day obligations before they left, Gary Barnett made the whoever was driving the van or whatever take a lap around Cowboy Stadium because he wanted his players to see this is where you're going to be in December for the Big 12 championship game. And, of course, that didn't come out until Colorado was at the Big 12 championship game that year and they beat Texas in something of an upset. So – Listen, stuff like that can absolutely have a, a motivating, you know, could be a motivating factor or uh, a kind of a, a celebration. I, I don't know why Gruden doesn't just own it and say, uh, yeah, that's what we did. We had a great victory and we did a victory lap. So what? I mean, it's a great team, great coach, all that stuff. And just just own it and roll with it and have fun with it. But he didn't seem to go that direction on, on Monday. Yeah. It's I a funny idea, too. I love it. Like a literal victory yeah. lap. Good yeah. for you. What you Somehow, I think if the, if the Chiefs win on on Sunday night, they'll they'll have their own statement to make. Uh, this, is, this is a team that does not shy away from their feelings after uh, after they think they've been disrespected. I saw. Oh, it, I think. How many? What's the over under on the number of bus emojis from Frank? <laughs> Aren't, aren't you guys figuring there's some kind of bus celebration they can do after a, after a touchdown? Something with you know somebody you know pretending to drive the bus and, and oh, uh, there's no question. Yeah, around them. It, and, and, have that in there. Not just that, but then when Mahomes gets on the Zoom afterward and you <laughs> ask him about it, he'll say like, you know, that was a tribute to to Gus, you know, who drove us around <laughs> White House High School back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> you have some nonsense story. To, to might even have a. You know might even have a. I was going to say, might even have a Ralph Cramden hat in his bag this week, so we could put, so he could put it on for his for the Zoom post game Zoom. So, okay, so I've, I've spent too much time on this frivolity. Uh, there was some real news out at Arrowhead yesterday. 
actually, the, the news came back in, was it August, when word got out that Andy Reid and Brett Beach were in line for contract extensions. And Clark Hunt just made it official on on Monday with with his uh, Zoom uh, tele, uh, press conference. So we, we weren't surprised by this, but it's still a, a um, I don't know, a, a, a comment on – um, on, on the Chiefs and the stability and where this organization is right now. And I know we talked about this a few months ago, that the last time uh, that Andy Reid was given an extension, the general manager was fired <laughs> about an hour later, at least the, the news release came out with John Dorsey being fired. This time, the, um, the, 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 the Reed and Veach extensions were announced almost simultaneously, and there just seems to be a lot of harmony, a lot of peace in the Valley uh, with, uh, with the Chiefs right now. Do you guys get that sense? A lot of, a lot of stability here. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And it's, um, it's still – I know I need to get over this, but it, it is just remarkable to think about how far they've come in that way, in that specific way stability and uh you know I, when clark took over and repeatedly throughout the first five eight years however long it was of, of him running the team that's what he always talked about is stability he used that word over and over he talked about the steelers um like that that's that's who we want to be and you know for from he, he took over i think officially in, in 2006 um, I think I have that right. And, and, and the first, what would that be? Six years of, of his ownership. Um, they were the least stable team, um, or at least among them, uh, in the NFL. And that, that pendulum swung fast and hard. And, um, it, it's, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, I, I, I do think that Andy Reed, um, deserves most of the credit for it. Uh, you know, he, he is the, the stabilizing force and that's just kind of his personality, but, you know, my gosh, if, if you're Brett Veach, you know, why wouldn't you want that extension? If you're Patrick Mahomes, why wouldn't you want to sign for as long as you can? They, they've created an atmosphere that everybody wants to be a part of. And um, it kind of feeds on itself. It used to feed on itself in the, in the wrong way. Now it's feeding on itself in the, in, in the right way. You know, um, Blair, when, when during the uh, teleconference yesterday, Clark used a term I, I'd never heard before. Maybe you guys have heard it. He, he referred to uh, a virtuous circle um around Andy Reid, basically. And so I decided to look up Virtuous Circle, and the first thing you see is the contrast to Vicious Cycle. <laughs> and and, and I, I, that's, that's sort of a, a nutshell of what, what Sam just said. I think, you yeah. know, they, they pulled out of that, um, and a lot of different people deserve credit, but it all sort of emanates from, rotates around a, Andy Reid and um, what he brings out of people. Um, you know, Sam, I was just rereading uh, your column from 2019 uh, uh, that really delved into the first meeting between Clark and Andy Reid and um, the chemistry between them right away and, the, and how other interviews that were supposed to be happening uh, came and went while they kept talking at the Philadelphia airport. And, um, you know, we think that there was a certain you know, way they clicked. But but I guess in, in my mind, it, and, and you've written about this before, too, it, it is worth noting that there was something about Clark that uh, obviously intrigued Andy too. And that that was, was not just the choice um, of the chiefs to go after Andy. It was that Andy thought this was a, the right place when he had plenty of options, um, including some that were 
perhaps geographically preferable for a guy who grew up in Los Angeles and went to college in Utah. Um, so it, it, it really is testimony to the harmony um, in, in multiple ways in the organization, all at the top. Yeah, I've, I've had the sense that Andy went into that, like wanting to like Clark and wanting to like the Chiefs. I think that um, sort of the, the history of the organization, he's a football geek, you know, yeah. And I yeah. think that that appealed to him. Um, I think that in some ways, um, being in a place like Kansas City might even be preferable to, you know, closer to his his beach house in California. Just, you know, when I'm away, that's football and I'm working. And, and then when I'm home, um, you, you know, it's something different. But he still had to, you know, I, I would love to just listen to that meeting, you know, because he had to have had some pointed questions about where the Chiefs were at that moment. Mm-hmm. And Clark had to have had some pointed questions about where Andy was, um, you know, mentally, emotionally, after everything that he had been through in that last year or so. And I think both parties like wanted to make it work, but that's a different thing than, than having it actually work. Yeah. They were both coming off awful years, right? Yeah. Um, I think Andy was, was he four and 12 in his last year in Philly? I think that's well, right. Yeah. And also after and his son had died. His son. Yep. Yeah, and we know about the Chiefs two, and they were two and fourteen, and and that was that was the least of their problems that year. You know, being being an awful team. So, I, I also I liked how I forgot who asked the question, but um, but but Clark quickly recalled the 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 twenty thirteen team, Andy Reid's first team, going you know getting out of the gates at nine and zero. He, he remembered that like you know it was almost like that was confirmation for Clark that this was the right hire and it didn't matter what happened after that, you know, for the, for the rest of that season, you know, they nine and O start after the, the seasons he, both of the parties had the previous year. And that, that apparently has stuck with Clark in a, in a, in a big way over the years that there was confirmation of the, of, of making the right choice. Yeah. yeah. The other thing, and Sam, you, I loved your points about the history, and um, you know, and I, I think that's right. I think Andy is such a student of the game, and it, it meant something to to be part of this franchise that is that is uh, you know historically significant, and 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 I know that Clark does and has in his life re- referred to the Steelers as the model of consistency. I kind of compare what the Chiefs. Uh, may have done uh, or may be doing right now to what the Cowboys did when, uh, you know, in the, in the what late 80s, they were just horrible, horrible, right? Uh, proud franchise, and they had the 1-15 season, Troy Aikman's first year. And in a matter of a couple of years, right, with Jimmy Johnson and then, you know, Aikman and Irvin and, and, um, and Emmett Smith, they were, you know, winning three out of four Super Bowls. So, well, what, what I th- when I think about that team, I think about are, are the Chiefs on the doorstep of something like that with their personnel right now, and would anything less than uh, you know multiple Super Bowl appearances slash championships be a little bit of a disappointment if you know where the Chiefs are age wise and you know players in important positions and Andy Reid is the coach and everything that they seem to have going for them right now. If, if they don't capitalize on this opportunity in, in, a, in a way that, you know, other organizations have in NFL history, might we look back at this time with a little bit of a little bit of disappointment? Gosh, yeah. I, I, I think so. It just seems like um, at this point, 
you know, it's it's no longer about the first Super Bowl in 50 years. It's about what have you done for us lately because of the framework they have and, and all the things that seem built in, the, the age, the, the dynamic uh, relationship between the quarterback and coach and, and the general manager, all those things. Um, I I don't know. I mean, Sam, you grew up here. Blair, you've been here a lot longer than I have, but uh, I, I think that Super Bowl win is is fantastic. But I think it will feel a little hollow if if it's not built on in the next, you know, three, five, seven seasons. Yeah, it's it's a, a kind of a needle to thread here because uh, taking Super Bowls for granted is is a ridiculous thing to do, right? Like um, in anybody that's followed this team for longer than 18 months uh, knows that. But um, I, I don't think – I don't know how anyone who's involved in this core group right now would be able to look back on this with anything other than regret if they don't win at least another Super Bowl or two. And again, I mean that's a – it's dynasty or bust. It, you know, Sometimes it's championship or bust and now we're saying like you know, kind of dynasty or bust. But um, I, I think that's real. Like I, you know, do you think the Packers are happy that um, – are they satisfied? that they only have one Super Bowl. And they were actually in a similar situation to the Chiefs uh, back in, was it 2010, um, I think, when they won their Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that roster was really young. I think Aaron Rodgers was 27, 25, something like that. I mean, really young roster. A lot of draft picks had worked out. Um, Cap space was right. Um, I mean, they had it all set up to be a dynasty, and that obviously didn't happen. They've had success, but but no more Super Bowls. And – and I think that this group, the Chiefs, I, I think they understand that. I think they believe it. And um, and, and I think that they're working. I mean, geez, like we, we talk a lot about like complacency, Super Bowl hangover, all those things. They're eight and one, you know, um, and and they've and they've been blowing some folks out. So it, it appears as if they are operating with that same understanding that uh, one's not enough. Yeah, and look, the Packers have been back to the NFC title game a couple of times since then, I think, right? Including last year, but haven't, the, I think the Falcons beat them in the in the NFC title game a few years ago and 49ers last year, but they, and they're always in the playoffs. They just don't have the complete enough team to, to get over the hump and get back into a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I, I, listen, uh, that's... I think it's fair for a Chiefs fan to be greedy right now because... You've never had this collection of talent at the, you know, at the uh, at, at quarterback and at, at certain key positions, and it's so good that you know teams in your division are trying to, you know, mimic it with the with the speedy wide receivers that that the Raiders and the Broncos drafted, and and look at the just look at the group of great young apparently great young quarterbacks in the league now that I think you know Mahomes is, is the standard for that and. Teams are looking for their Patrick Mahomes, and who knows? Maybe maybe the Dolphins have one in Tua. Maybe the Chargers have one in, in Herbert. So um, I, I think people are out to out to catch what the you know at least emulate what the Chiefs have done. So I, I don't know. I just think this is there is opportunity to take advantage of this right now. Players in their prime, you know, not Mahomes. I think his prime is, is, um, you know, we'll, we'll see that for a while, but Kelsey, Hill, you know, just other players in their prime, Teron Matthew, 
uh, others that uh, you, you do need to strike now while, while you can. And listen, it won't change the fact that you know Mahomes will be a Hall of Famer, and Andy Reid will be a Hall of Famer, and Travis Kelsey and 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 Tyree Kill and maybe Tyrant Matthew. I don't know. All these guys could be Hall of Famers, but. Uh, I just I got to think that there's there's got to be one or two more of these Super Bowls in their future. Blair, one thing you said, and, and Sam spoke to it too, but it, it I haven't really thought of it this way before. But you know, when you think there, there's certain teams that are either I don't know if dynasty and mystique are interchangeable terms, but you would say there was a Patriots mystique for a long time, and you wouldn't say there was really a Packers mystique. And the difference is those times being on the cusp and not getting there. And I guess that's the question. Uh, about the Chiefs, right? They have everything in place. How many times might they lose in an AFC Championship game instead of winning? And what? How thin is that margin? And um, that's going to be all the difference in how this regime is ultimately perceived. It could be a perennial contender with a lot of talent, or it could be, you know, a, 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 on the cusp of a dynasty. And and that obviously remains to be played out. Yeah, I mean, even um, there absolutely set up to be in that mix in that small handful of, of, of teams that have a chance to win a championship. But like, I guess this is maybe what you're speaking to Vahe about once you're in there, nothing's guaranteed. You know, um, I, I always think about what if Jimmy Garoppolo hit Emmanuel Sanders on the, on that deep ball. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes, I think they still would have gone down and, and, and won the game at the end, but we don't know that. Um, you know, and there's just, there's a lot of little things like that. What if Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't, uh, win in Foxborough on the last day of the season, and and the Chiefs have to play in the wild card round. Like, there's just a lot of a lot of breaks that you have to get. You have to be you know lucky. And, and um, the Chiefs were both last year. Uh, they're certainly good this year. They haven't needed the luck um, yet, but but I think we know that that'll come. Yeah, I would add. What if D Ford hadn't lined up offsides the year before? Um, you know, or they win the, Chiefs... the coin flip. <laughs> yep, that's right. Or they win the coin flip. I, I think the Chiefs. You know, arguably, were the uh, was at least, you know, if the Patriots were were the best team in in the NFL that year, I think the Chiefs were were one A or one B. You know, and would have beaten the Rams in the Super Bowl, and, and maybe had a you know maybe we'd be talking about their their back to back Super Bowl triumphs. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But anyway, okay, guys, listen, great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear from Clark Hunt, who met with the media on. Monday. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Blair. Hi, Blair. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody, for uh, joining this afternoon. Um, I hope everyone is staying well and healthy during these challenging times. Um, as uh, we gear up to head into the second half of the season, there's obviously a lot of positives that we can take away from our f- first nine games. Um, 
However, at this point, uh, our focus is on a very important divisional game we have coming up uh, this week against the Las Vegas Raiders. And I know that's where the, the coaches and the players' mindset is at this point. Um, in addition to doing a nice job on the field, I want to compliment the players, the coaches, and our entire staff on the job that they've done managing through the pandemic. Um, however, like our on-field performance, we're going to have to remain vigilant and humble if we want to stay healthy and achieve our goal of completing our season in uh, Tampa for Super Bowl 55. Uh, I also want to acknowledge our great fans. Uh, even though we've had only limited attendance at Arrowhead, our fans have done a great job of being loud and showing their support for the team. Uh, finally, I think most of you at this point have seen uh, the releases we issued a little bit ago confirming that we have extended Andy Reid's and Brett Veach's contracts. I can't speak highly enough about the job the two of them have done in leading our football team. And I'm personally thrilled that both of them want to continue their time with the Chiefs and our collective pursuit of more world championships. And with that, I'll open it up for questions. Let's go first to Bob Fesco. Go ahead, Bob. Clark, obviously Andy's been with you for a while now, but how have you changed as an owner since the day you hired Andy Reid to where you guys are right now? Hmm. Um, well, the, the short answer is I smile a whole lot more. Um, if you just think about the, the journey that we've been on over the last eight years, uh, when we hired Andy, we were obviously coming off of several very uh, difficult seasons. Um, and, uh, you know, the turnaround with Andy was, was almost immediate, uh, going 9-0 and his first season uh, in Kansas City. And, um, you know, to his credit, he's done nothing but get better. And uh, that, that's helped our football team get better. Uh, obviously, uh, that uh, crescendoed uh, with the Super Bowl victory this past February. And uh, I'm excited to look to the future uh, because uh, I don't think there's been any change in his energy level and just the way the players uh, respond to him. I, they're excited to come to practice every, every day, excited to play for him, and uh, fully on board uh, with our goals to win world championships. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Clark. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm great. Thanks, Adam. Good. Hey, I just want to say uh, quickly, I really appreciate the note you sent. Um, I hope Ted or Ryan said something to you about that, but uh, I just appreciate that. And I wanted to congratulate you on today's news also. Um, so what's your job on the football side of things now, just to get out of the way? In, in, but really, in all seriousness, um, can you share with us what your role is on the football side of things? How often you talk to Andy and talk to Brad, at least during the season? And Brad, I'll have one quick follow-up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I talk to both of them uh, every week uh, in, in a normal year. Um, you know, those might be in-person meetings, but this year there's been a lot of phone calls and, and, and Zoom calls. Um, you know, during the season, Andy's obviously very focused on, on each game coming up. And so our conversations tend to, to ro revolve around that. Uh, during the off season, uh, it covers a whole lot more subjects. Uh, as you can imagine, this summer, uh, Brett and I had many, many conversations about the contracts uh, that we were working on, uh, starting with our, our QB. And, uh, you know, that, that's really where I, I'll get involved uh, with Brett and Andy is, is on the composition of the football team, 
on, on trades that they're interested in making, uh, you know, which players to sign and, you know, how that fits in, into the salary cap. Okay. And also, I was able to ask Mark Donovan a, a, a ticket question or two, but I wanted to ask you this. Uh, um, how much value is there for the Chiefs in selling tickets in the amount that you are this season? What's what's the value in that as opposed to no tickets at all? Yeah. Well, uh, financially, it, it's obviously better than, than having an empty stadium. Um, but uh, it, it, at the end of the day, it's it's not a huge amount of money. I think really uh, the bigger value is for the organization, for the team, and the players. I, I think in having some fans in the stadium, and our fans, as I mentioned, have done a great job of being as loud as they possibly can, makes it feel as normal as possible, makes the players feel like, hey, we still have a, a home field advantage. Um, uh, I also think there's some value in having fans this year uh, as we look to next year. Um, because, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think COVID's going to be with us for a while. Uh, but the fact that we were able to have some fans this year, maybe we can build on that next year once we get to the season. Let's go next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hi, Clark. Thank you for taking some time with us today. Um, as you think back to your dad moving the team to Kansas City and really the whole history of the franchise, just how critical was that decision to bring Andy Reid and by proxy Brett Feach on board in 2013 now that you can reflect back? Um well, you, you know, when when the Chiefs came to Kansas City uh, back in 1963, uh, they, they were fortunate to have uh, what would be uh, a Hall of Fame coach and also what would be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, and I, I think we're in a similar position uh, today. Um, you know, in, the, the value of a great head coach in the NFL cannot be overstated. I think in a lot of ways it's similar to the value of a, a great quarterback. It's really on the field. It's a quarterback. A league, and when you have the two of them together, uh, you can have a lot of success. Uh, just like Hank and Lynn uh, did back then. You know, now we've got Andy and Patrick, uh, you know, working their magic almost on a weekly basis. Let's go next to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Clark. Um, you mentioned attendance. Uh, we, we saw it today with with Philadelphia. They announced they're not going to be having fans anymore. Have there been any discussions with with the way the pandemic is going right now about changing what you guys are doing for the last three home games about no longer having fans? Yeah, the the short answer is there's been no discussion about changing the plans uh, for the last three games of the season. Uh, obviously, uh, everybody in Kansas City is concerned with the spike in cases. Uh, we have a conversation with the health director, Dr. Archer, uh, on a weekly basis uh, just to review, you know, what's happened at our, our most recent games and, you know, what we can do to maybe improve the protocols on a go-forward basis. Uh, right now, our expectation is uh, that we'll have the same level of fans at those three games. Uh, but obviously, you know, with COVID, you know, things are very dynamic. Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Clark. Um, this question is more about um, Brett. I think you probably had a pretty good idea with, you know, 14 years of experience in Philadelphia, what you were going to get from Andy. But obviously seeing, you know, Brett through the ranks, just what have you learned about him since you gave him the position to be the general manager and how he sort of led the team in that role? Yeah. Um, well, uh, clearly Brett's done an outstanding job. Um, you know, wh one of the things I think that that's, most important to the success that we've had is how he and Andy work together. 
and of course they they came with the pre-existing uh relationships from philadelphia so you know that that was something that that i i knew we were getting uh but but it's probably been better than i thought that dynamic's really great a lot of times you can have tension between your gm and head coach but you know the two of them really work together hand in hand um, you know, when it, when Brett became the GM three and a half years ago, um, you know, he had some areas that, that he had to grow into. Uh, he, he had to learn the cap management uh, side of the business. And uh, he's done a fantastic job on that. Um, I, I think we can all say, you know, we're, we're surprised that he was able to accomplish everything that he was able to accomplish, you know, this past summer in terms of re-signing our veteran players. I also knew that he was a really good evaluator, but it's one thing to be a good evaluator and another thing to be the guy sitting in the chair having to make the decisions, both on draft choices and free agents. And I think you can just look at the last couple of years at some of the marquee free agents uh, that, that we've signed, uh, how well they, they fit into the team, uh, fit into the scheme, uh, you know, really helped us uh, be better, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And then uh, we're starting to see a lot of production from his draft choices. Um, I, I always say that it takes you three or four years to really know what you have uh, from a draft class. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, the last two draft classes, the, those guys are they're on the field and they're making a difference. So he, he's doing an outstanding job there. Um, he's also done a great job managing his staff. I mean, there's there's a reason they call that position general manager. Uh, there's a lot of things to manage uh, th- this year, uh, you know, more so than ever because of the complications from COVID. And, and Brett's always thinking ahead. Uh, he, he's proactive, finding solutions before the problems emerge and uh, just really has done an outstanding job all the way around and exceeded my expectations. Let's go next to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Thanks for the time, Clark. And you mentioned a little bit about, you know, Brett right there. And I know when you hired him, you mentioned that it was he was he was a people person. And that was a, a big part of the hiring him and, and what you liked about him. I'm curious, one, you know, what were kind of your first impressions of Brett before that even going back to when you first heard about him and and first met him? And what's the one thing I know you listed some things off there. What's the one thing you've learned about Brett the last three and a half years that surprised you? Um, well, I, I'm not sure that there, there's any one thing that's, that's surprised me. Um, I, I think one thing that's been a revelation, uh, maybe for all of us is how aggressive, uh, Brett is and, and he's aggressive, um, in, in what I'll say a conservative way, uh, his, his decision-making when he's being aggressive is very well thought out. Um, and I think that's really paid, uh, dividends for us. You know, whether it was making making trades for key players or, or signing free agents or figuring out how to get get Patrick and Chris uh, done the, this summer. Um, I, th- I think that that really it serves him well and it, it serves us well also. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you, especially for those who want to deep dive into the Star's terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. 
That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, send me an email at bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. Hey, whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.